HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Cheese State University. Cheese State University was created for dedicated cheese professionals seeking to deepen their knowledge, sharpen their skills, and build connections. Join them in the Ivy League of Cheese Education at cheesestateuniversity.com. Welcome to Inside Julia's Kitchen, the podcast, the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts. I'm your host, Todd Shulkin, the Foundation's Executive Director. Our show takes you inside the Foundation's world to meet the talented people we have the great fortune of learning from all the time. On today's show, we welcome hospitality PR specialist, Sherry Bayer. In this episode, we'll talk to Sherry about her All in the Industry podcast, her new book, Chef-wise, and we'll hear Sherry's Julia moment. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome to our first episode of Season 17 as we wend our way towards 200 episodes. As always, we launch the conversation with an inspiration from Julia. Julia said, I'm not a chef, I'm a teacher and a cook. Why did Julia make that distinction? Well, she didn't think she was a chef, despite being anointed by her debut TV series. Little did she know how influential the show and the misnomer in the title would be. To Julia, being a chef meant you're in charge of a restaurant. It conveys responsibilities well beyond cooking meals. The name itself means boss in French, or literally head, as in the leader of something. Julia never ran a kitchen with a line, she didn't cook in her own restaurant, and she never worked in a commercial kitchen. Those are all chef roles. As we've talked about many times on this show, Julia revered chefs for their creativity, their commitment to nourishing friends and strangers alike, and their prowess managing complex, fast-moving environments. 
In Chefs, Julia found inspiration, and she was determined to elevate American society's appreciation of their talents, something that's now kind of come to pass. Someone who shares Julia's reverence for chefs is Sherry Bayer. Sherry's the founder of Bayer Public Relations, a culinary and hospitality-focused PR and marketing agency in New York City, celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. Sherry's also a podcasting veteran as host and producer of HRN's Taste Award-winning podcast, All in the Industry. It showcases behind-the-scenes talent and hospitality and features guests as diverse as from 2017 Julia Child Award recipient and restaurateur Danny Meyer, former Julia Child Award jury, chef, and TV personality Carla Hall, to more recently, LA's acclaimed chef Nikki Nakayama, profiled by Netflix's Chef's Tafe series recently, or recently on Cherry's show. After more than a 30-year career in roles across the hospitality industry and more than 350 episodes of All in the Industry, Sherry's first book, ChefWise, Life Lessons from Leading Chefs Around the World, has just been published. ChefWise features advice about life in and out of the kitchen for more than 100 globally recognized chefs. A Miami native who earned a BA from the University of Michigan, as well as a culinary certificate from the Cooking Academy of Chicago, Sherry is also a member of Les Dames d'Escoffier New York, a contributing writer for publications like Tasting Table and Thrillist, and is a self-described fearless solo diner and traveler. She joins us today to share her perspective on the hospitality industry and the wisdom she's gained from chefs. Welcome to the podcast, Sherry. Wow, thank you so much. I'm honored to be here and I'm used to being in your seat more than over on this side, but I have to say, what an intro. I'm like, I'm like, thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. It did fun to turn the tables. So, yes. uh, so uh, get ready. Here we go. Um, so I, before we talk about chefs and the new book, I just given the breadth of experience and expertise and devotion to the hospitality industry, I just wanted to hear, like, what is it that you love about it? What's kept you committed to it? Yeah, well, it's a good question. I do think about it often, and I, I, I don't even – I. it's hard for me to say exactly what it is about restaurants and the hospitality industry and, and chefs that – that has has that I've been drawn to and has kept me in the game for so long. But I'm I just I I just love the industry. I love I love the passion. I love food service ambiance of restaurants. I love the community of it. Um, I love the relationships. Uh, I feel chefs and people who work in hospitality, generally speaking, are just good people who want to do good and serve people and feed people. And there's some great energy and excitement about our industry. And I was just drawn to it. I got my first job in a restaurant when I was 16 years old in Miami. As soon as I could drive, I became a hostess at a, a local a local Mexican restaurant. And I've worked in restaurants, uh, you know, after that, I had lots of summer jobs and I lived in Chicago. I went to cooking school thinking I wanted to be a chef and worked at Charlie Trotter's front of the house. And I had all this restaurant experience. And then I came to New York and kind of dabbled in 
different things trying to figure out what I want to do and ended up in PR for restaurants. And my whole career has just been around the, the industry because I'm just passionate about it. I just really love being a part of the community. And um, it just, it's it like, it's like my family. So um, it's, it's, I think it's just all just, just the general good vibes of the hospitality industry as, as, kept me here for so long. Well, it sounds like it's always been an environment that you just feel at home in. I do. I do. I w- I always say restaurants are my happy place. I mean, I there's something about them that just uh, fills, fills my soul, I guess you'd say. And I think it's beyond um, the food on the plate. Um, something, something that became even more evident during the pandemic when obviously, you know, you, you, you can have food at home. It was challenging even to get, you know, food from restaurants once they started doing takeout and, um, they're, they were in survival mode and that was such a challenging period. But as the consumer, uh, the guest, we also realized how much we value restaurants and being a part, being there, um, in the ambiance with the service and the hospitality and, and of course the food. Well, and I think something else you touched on that the pandemic really uh, revealed that was the more taken, you know, the food was clearly something people valued, but the community part, I think I remember having those conversations during the pandemic with, you know, various restaurant industry leaders about if we let the restaurants die, not only are we lo- losing the service and, and the food, but we're losing pieces of our community. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think, I think that everyone, it, it was brought to more people, everyone's attention because all of a sudden it was something that was a part of our lives that maybe we took a bit for granted. And then all of a sudden we didn't have it and we realized how much we missed it, loved it and needed it. Exactly. Well, that's a great segue for my next question where I wanted to ask you, uh, because I don't know it, the, w- w- as one of HRN's longest running shows, I was curious, w- what is the origin story in all industry? Was it like, did HRN recruit you to start it? Did you have the idea? How did it begin? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I've been around now for a while. Somebody noted to me, like, I'm going to hit my 10 year mark next year. I was like, wow, because I started in 2014. Um, HRN had actually been around for five years when I started. So, um, uh, when I, I actually approached them, I, I was at the, the 10 year mark of my PR company and I was looking to do, I wasn't ready. I wasn't going to stop doing PR, but I was kind of thinking like, now what, like what's next? And so I knew a couple of people who had shows on HRN and I, I came up with an idea for a show. I said, why not? What about a show about behind the scenes talent and hospitality? Because working in PR all these years, I had so many relationships with people in the industry, clients and chefs, but also other people who did things, other services, whether it was design restaurants or do the cocktail program or charities. I just felt like I had all these contacts and I was like, what can I do with them? And I was like, well, I could do a show about them. So I pitched Heritage Radio. Uh, Aaron Fairbanks was the executive director at the time. And and um, 
told her about my idea, did a couple pilots, and Aaron's the one who gave me the go on it. And I've just been, I just, I'm passionate about it. I love interviewing people. I love hearing their story. There's so many people, even though I've done over 350 episodes, there's so many people I still want to have on the show and talk to. And um, my my format has pretty much been the same since the beginning. I came up with little segments on the show. So I started out with my PR tip. And then most of the show is the interview with the guest. And then I have a speed round. We talk industry news. And at the end, I, I have a solo dining experience and then tie each show together by asking one guest, um, the guest, a question for the next guest. So I've been doing it that way for all these years. And I I feel it works. It means a lot. There's a lot of content. Um, but I, I love doing it. So I just keep going. Well, so, so is really in 350 episodes, have you kept the same format and, and really have found that it, that the original idea continues to endure or, or have you, have, have there been certain points where you shifted and changed the show along the way or, or maybe not the format, but that even in just how you do interviews, have you changed that or it's been pretty constant? It's been pretty consistent, I have to say. I really haven't changed much. I mean, I think at the beginning, I with my solo dining experiences, I didn't, I didn't have, I was, I was kind of winging it a little more. Um, I, I now have what I call the rundown, so I kind of go through a whole experience dining solo at a restaurant um, and share. Um, it's like the same format, but of course, every experience is different. Um, the speed round has been the same since the beginning. Uh, yeah, I really haven't changed much, which is kind of, kind of crazy. Um, I'll add in, in the industry news, sometimes I add in, uh, industry events or, you know, announcements. And I've also, I also travel a bunch and have gone to lots of culinary events. So I do on the road shows, um, when I'm, when it's appropriate. So I've done, I've done, uh, shows from the James Beard Awards in Chicago. I've done red carpet interviews there and I've done Aspen food and wine. And I've just, I, I bring my recorder and I just started, um, doing segments that way. So, um, I think that's fun, a, a fun, uh, change from the traditional format as, but, um, overall it's been the same. And can you share any information of, of oh, for this, I assume like us, you're starting a new season. What's upcoming for this summer season? Do you have some guests you're excited about or places that you're going on the road that listeners can look forward to catching? Sure. Well, this week I'm going to be actually talk about on the road shows. Um, I did an event in Philadelphia um, that was affiliated with the Philly Chef Conference a couple of weeks ago um, with an organization called Sisterly Love Co- Collective, and it was at the study at um, on campus at um, in at the uni- University City. Which um, so we did a panel event on Chefwise, my book. And I did a reading from the book and I interviewed some chefs who are based in Philadelphia, all women in the industry, um, on topics in the book. And so I'm going to be broadcasting that this week on my show. And then the following week, I have um, 
a show coming up with two chefs who are in ChefWise, uh, Rodolfo Guzman and Carolina Bazan. And I'll give you the first take of this because nobody knows this. I actually went to Santiago, Chile on this quick trip and had this amazing, amazing weekend um, visiting them in their restaurants and trying their food and interviewing them for my show. Um, so that's coming up the next week. Wow, those things is, sound really great. Yeah, it seems like, I don't know, I'd never heard of this Philly Chefs Conference before, but it seemed like it kind of blew up this year. I was seeing stuff from various people posting it. Is, is that just my naivete or is there is it becoming a thing? Um, it's, it's a great conference. It started probably over five years ago. Um, Mike Trout is the person and his team who puts it together and they're affiliated with um, um, the university in Philadelphia, um, Drexel. And so it's a part of their hospitality program. Mm. And Mike does this amazing job at curating chefs, media personalities and people. I mean, he's flown in people from, from around the world to come. And so I think it keeps getting bigger, better, more exposure. Um, it's mostly attended by like, there's a lot of New York based media that will go there. Cause it's like me, it's an, it's a little over an hour train ride. It's very easy to get to Philly. So I think it's, a, I think people more in this area are familiar with it, but I think it keeps, um, as I said, like getting, getting more exposure and getting bigger and better. So, um, it's a good one. It was a really great conference and I was glad to be a part of it. Thanks for filling us in. All right, we're going to take a break and we'll be back with more from Hospitality PR, podcast host, and now author, Sherry Bayer. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Cheese State University. Cheese State University was created for dedicated cheese professionals seeking to deepen their knowledge, sharpen their skills, and build connections. It feels like a gift to be able to give this gift to people because I know that from my own experiences, I know how valuable, consolidated, mm -hmm. incredible training resources are. They offer an in-depth education on all things cheese, as well as an active network for peer support and career development. You can pop over to the Quad, which is our social networking and engagement app. Um, and so that's a really fun and dynamic aspect of Cheese State University. Cheese State's three-part course is designed for seasoned pros and entry-level mongers alike and covers all the skills one needs to perform on the cheese counter. The structure of Cheese State University is all based on the Cheese State University Field Guide. Um, and that is a three-volume resource. It's all digital online. At the end of the course, students will be ready to ace the field guide assessment and earn their Cheese State Scholar Certificate. Another resource is a video series where we tackle sort of like these thornier questions that you can get on the cheese counter, like what is rennet? And like, why is this cheese so expensive? And can pregnant people even eat cheese? At Cheese State, you're among experts, you're among scholars, you're among cheese lovers, and most importantly, you are a monger. Join them in the Ivy League of Cheese Education at cheesestateuniversity.com. Welcome back. We're talking to Sherry Bayer, host of HRN's All in the Industry, about her first book, ChefWise, Life Lessons from Leading Chefs Around the World. So, Sherry, you, you talked a lot about how with All in the Industry, it was, a, it was very much about bringing 
behind the scenes pictures and players to the forefront. What what inspired you to put this book specific, specifically with Chef Wisdom together? So it's interesting. My career is kind of, I've been, always been very passionate and driven, but I've not necessarily had direct goals and know exactly where I'm going. But when things kind of come my way, I go for it. So the book kind of came my way in a sense. Um, I was talking to the publisher of my book, Fiden, about some book ideas. And this was actually their idea. They wanted to do a chef advice book. And an editor there who I know um, and was talking to uh, put two and two together and was like, you might be the right person to do this book, knowing uh, about my career, about my passion for the industry, about my travels around the world to go to restaurants and and the relationships, the relationships I've built with chefs. And a lot of my travel has been solo. And um, so I've, I don't know, I've had interesting or great opportunities to meet chefs along the way. Um, I think just being open to it um, that I've been alone and, and just interested in the industry. So um, that's kind of how it came about or the conversation started. And then from there, I, I had a conversation, you know, I interviewed with, um, the editor at, and publisher at, uh, from Fiden who wanted, whose idea was to do this book and put together an outline kind of, I immediately got it. Um, I got what she wanted to do and what was thinking and, and, and just was on board with it because, um, uh, I love chefs. I love the industry. And I felt like this was like a dream project for me to work on. And it was, it has been. So um, that's kind of how it started. And how did you, did you make like a giant list of every chef and then whittle it down? Or because um, chefs are busy people, you asked a hundred, you, you asked 500, you got a hundred responses. Like how did you, how did you figure out who to include and not include or? What was the process? Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was challenging. I know um, basically how I approached it was I did make a long list of, of chefs. Um, and, and that was like my starting point. And then I had a list of chapters outlining topics and um, I just, yeah, I, the goal was to have over a hundred chefs and so I just, I started outreach and I, I, I reached out to chefs I had relationships with first, but not just all, I wanted a diverse list. So it wasn't um, just New York City chefs or, or only chefs who were um, on the world's 50 best list. But I just started reaching out to chefs and in different parts of the world. I mean, a chef, uh, Julian Roer, who has a wonderful restaurant called Odette in Singapore, and I went on a solo trip to Singapore and Hong Kong a few years ago and met him and dined there. Like he was one of the first chefs I reached out to because I was like, if I'm going to do this book, let me like I need to see, can I get these chefs? Will they be interested? And he gave me an immediate yes. And then I was sort of like it was the response, the responses coming in was really great. And for chefs, especially the response time was pretty good. And um, so as I started, I reached out to people and it was kind of like a puzzle or it was kind of uh, 
start and go, stop and go, you know, like reach out to some people, wait for responses, see, uh, see where I needed to fill in areas of the world or different cuisines or different types of service and restaurants. So it wasn't like all at once. It was over, I don't know, I think putting the book together with actually the responses from the chefs was about six, seven months of of outreach and awaiting responses. That's not bad. That's pretty fast for any book. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's 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 pretty impressive. Both both for you and for your uh, re- response uh the people who responded. So I thought one of the best ways to bring the book uh to life for our listeners was to have you share a couple of of short quotes or brief excerpts of chef wisdom and maybe ones that you pick, you know, because they're meaningful to you, although I'm sure everything in the book is meaningful to you. But, and for those who haven't seen it yet, some of the answers are are short and pithy, and then others are almost like essays or mini essays. So um, would you, would you share a couple with us? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the way the book is, is done is it's, it's, um, we left it in, in the chef's words. And so, and, and gave them full range to answer how, they wanted to. So some chefs sent me paragraphs and some of them a few words. And, and most of it was by, by email or, or text. And, but I did do some zoom interviews and WhatsApp interviews. And, um, and that was, that was a real, a real pleasure to have the opportunity to talk to some of the chefs and get their answers that way. So, um, it's, you know, I knew you were going to ask me this and I have to say, I've been, you know, start looking through the book and it's, there's just so much amazing knowledge in this book. I mean, it's, I, I, I can't, there really isn't one chef or one thing that was like, this is, this is the advice that is my advice, you know, works for me. I just think it has so much, there's so much amazing content. Um, if I say so, but it's the chefs, it's the chefs. They're just, they're, they're they're amazing and they were really willing to share from the heart. So um, one of the quotes, which is a shorter one that I found, uh, I thought I'd share is from Anna Ross, who's from Kisa Franco in Cobrand, Slovenia. I have not been there yet. It's on my list though. Everything in my, in all the chefs in my book, of course, I want to go to all their restaurants now. Um, so her quote, it's in the fundamentals chapter and it says, Find deep in yourself a motivation, the ambition, and the discipline. And then whenever you are about to give up, think that think that the power is in you and not in others. And you can make it. I don't know. It resonated with me being like, find it deep in yourself. Like you, I don't know. For me a lot, it feels you know, my career, where I'm at and everything, you know, with, with my life is like, it comes from within you and your drive. And so, so I felt that hit home a little with me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that one. And I do, I do remember noticing as I went through the book, like, um, yeah, she had a lot of good, presumably why you included her, but she had a lot of interesting, uh, poignant things to say. And especially, uh, yeah, just to underscore that the book is very global and is very well balanced. And you have chef, male, female chefs from all over the world featured. Yeah, I thank you. I I mean, I tried to have a diverse list um, and and mix it up and 
some chefs are more familiar names and some are are lesser no, lesser known but i think they're they're all leaders doing amazing amazing things and i did pull a quote from uh, rodolfo guzman who's the chef coming up on my show who's from barago that's his restaurant in santiago chile and his he has this his his advice is in the future chapter and i'm just going to read the last paragraph of it's like it's like a four paragraph thing but the last one it says tom morello one of the greatest and most creative guitar guitarists of all time said that young fellas don't want to spend more than six or eight hours a day playing guitar does it mean the end of the great guitarists maybe there won't be a new Jimi hendrix or eddie van halen steve vai they have no interest in playing till they break their fingers as every single great player has already done. Well, I think to cook, it is the same. The more you practice, the better you are. Even with new rules, be ready to decide how good you want to be. So I thought that was cool that he he was comparing cooking to being a Amazing well, especially guitarist. with all this American reference coming from a Chilean in Santiago. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also I think I thought it would be cool to share this just to say the diversity of the the answers in the book. You know, it's really, it's really, the it's the chef's voice. I mean, that is not something I would write, but I can relate to it. I think, yeah, how you got to work hard. You got to, you got to really, uh, if you want to be like, how good do you want to be? <laughs> well, it's interesting too because do do you take that? I take that as an indirect reference to the celebrity stardom culture that's been created around chefs, and that you know a lot of chefs are not a lot. Sorry, that's the wrong. Some chefs are kind of looking for that rocket to stardom path by you know getting a little heat, going on Top Chef, and then trying to be you know build an empire. And I I feel like many of the comments or quotes that you have from Tom Clicchio are kind of referencing like, chill out, take your time, build up some actual expertise. Yeah, true. And Tom, Tom was, a. I did my, the, the for the book we did, uh, it was an interview with him um, on Zoom. So I think his answers, you know, was very, you know, he spoke from the heart and really, he did say that a lot, you know, take your time and, and it's not, yeah, like, like, one step at a time to get there. Um, knowing or meeting Rodolfo, I don't think he, uh, he's not a, he's not that celebrity chef driven TV, you know, personality. I think it just, I think for him, it's just the passion and the, the, you know, you want to be the best you can be. Well, if you want to be the best, you really got to work hard for it. Um, and I think these, the, the, his guitar reference, like, that those those people like inspired him um, to be his best. Um, and another quote, actually speaking of Tom, I I pulled a quote from Claudia Fleming, who's in the book, and I have a couple a couple pastry chefs sprinkled in. It's um, to just to keep the diversity. Um, and her quote is in, or she's in. Also, some of the chefs are in one chapter, and some are in multiple chapters. But one of the chapters she's in is in leadership. And um, here's what she had to say. She says, if you are lucky in your career, you, you have a mentor, but there are no guarantees. I would have to say that Tom Colicchio had the most impact on my career. He allowed me to make mistakes. He trusted that I would eventually find the right answer. 
A mentor should be generous, patient, compassionate, and perhaps most importantly, not be afraid to be vulnerable. It's reassuring for a mentee to see the person they admire, not fearful of making a mistake and to see them handle it gracefully. And this made me think a bit of Julia too. Also, I know we'll talk about her more later, but um, about making mistakes and and failure and like, and, and, you know, and this with this quote of mentorship, just um, finding someone that, you know, you believe in, believes in you and um, is willing to see you along as you make mistakes, but knows like, you know, you'll get there. Yeah, no, I think that's a great, great thing to add to the idea of mentorship, that mentors are there to give you permission to experiment. And if you make a mistake, help you through it rather than tell you why you shouldn't have made the mistake. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch in, um, in the book on mentor mentee relationships. Um, we talk about that. Another thing that we talk about that was, I, one of the things I got, um, I don't know, wasn't a clear yes, no, or same answer from all the chefs was asking them about if chefs could, should go or young cooks should go to cooking school. And um, that was, I thought, interesting because people have different perspectives on it. I think it's always one of those um, debatable topics. (laughs) Well, yeah, I feel like it's very personal. And the answer that I most often hear is it's a viable option if it works for you, but you don't have to do it. There are other avenues. And certainly if it's going to cost you tremendous financial hardship, maybe consider the other avenues. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think that's, those sentiments are, are in the book and um, yeah, it's, um, and, and tying back to how you started the show with Julia and being a teacher and a cook, I feel like that resonated with me when you were, when you were, you were explaining what she, her thoughts on that. And um, I think a lot of those, you know, a lot of chefs feel they are, they are teachers and they're, they're cooks, you know, but um with the mentorship mentee relationship, certainly it's a, they're, they're teaching, they want to teach and, or be taught. And I was wondering, I don't know if you had another excerpt you wanted to share, but I was curious if there were any responses that you just really didn't expect that, you know, basically a chef said the complete opposite of what you'd understood or something that they responded with just really moved you in a way that you hadn't anticipated. Um, I don't know if anything caught me completely by surprise. I feel like there was more, it was more reassuring, um, hearing what I thought chefs thought or, or how businesses are run and also consistency across, um, across the world, you know, or hearing a chef in France say the same thing as a chef in Taiwan, um, you know, or, or in, in Dubai. I mean, it was like, it was kind of amazing. Um, uh, there was one, there was, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I marked a couple of other quotes in the book, but there was one conversation I had with this chef who, um, his name is Florent Leiden and he, he has a couple restaurants, but the one most well known is Aberge du Vertmont. And it's in, and I don't, the, pardon my pronunciation of things, but it's in Beauchep, France. And he 
his, my, my conversation with him was just, it, it was so delightful. I didn't, I wasn't familiar with him and he's in, he's in Flanders, this like this, the countryside of France that people don't talk about or know about as much at all that they don't talk about it. Like they talk about Paris and other parts of France. And, um, he's always worked. It's a family run business and he's always worked there. And like, that's where his roots are. And, um, I could share a little bit of, of what he had to say. Cause I just, I just thought it was, it was good advice. Um, so, uh, he says, if I have a last advice to give, it would be don't follow trends. If you try to be trendy, you're already too late. When I figured out that, I was rooted here. I found the reason why I was doing this job. If you're just taking a product, cooking it, serving it, there's no deep sense. There's no philosophy behind it. When I started to just work with local products, to me, I felt like I was responsible, like I was holding the Flanders flag on the food scene. And it gave me more deepness in my work because no one had ever heard about this place, this area, Flanders, French Flanders, even north of France. So, and this is in the team chapter and that that was a part of a quote where he talked, um, he also talked to, about having, you know, team and having a good team there and it's all being like family. Um, and looking on the map, this place is like, it's on the border of Belgium and, and France and, um, it's in France, but it's very close to Belgium. So another place I want to go and he just hearing his story and just uh, about the community and about the local, I mean, talk like everything they use there is hyper, like it's just all local products and um, it just sounds so special. And, um, and he found, I think it took him a bit to find his voice um, or realize that this is what he should be doing. And um I, I just liked hearing his story. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing your story. I thought that was really interesting. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll hear Sherry's Julia moment. Tickets are on sale for the 2023 Taste of Santa Barbara. It's coming up very soon, May 15th to 21st. Check out the full schedule and get your tickets now on sbce.events. And don't wait, several events are already sold out. The lineup features some of Santa Barbara County's top culinary talent. Highlights include a special screening of classic Julia episodes and a conversation with chefs Susan Veniger and Nancy Silverton, a cherry bomb meetup focused on women winemakers at the Inn at Maddie's Tavern, and the Taste of Santa Barbara wines at El Presidio returns. There'll be cooking classes, farm tours, wine tours, and special menus throughout the county. Follow at SB Culinary Experience on Instagram for breaking news and updates. Proceeds from the Taste of Santa Barbara benefit the local community. We hope to see you there. Let us know what you think of today's show. Send us an email or voice memo to contact at juliachildfoundation.org. We'll be right back. When you flip anything, you really, you just have to have the courage of your convictions, particularly if it's sort of a loose mass like this. Well, that didn't go very well. See, when I flipped it, I didn't, I didn't have the courage to do it the way I should have. But you can always pick it up, and if you're alone in the kitchen, who is going to see? From Julia's immortal words, we move into our last segment, which we call the Julia Moment. Here's when we ask our guests to share their favorite Julia memory, moment, or how she's inspired them in their career. 
Sherry, what's your Julia moment? Well, thank you for asking. I have to say, just hearing even that little clip right there of Julia, whenever I hear her voice, it all makes me smile <laughs> and happy. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I have a specific show moment, but I just thought I, I was thinking of Sarah Moulton because Sarah is someone I know through the industry who's been a guest on my show. She was a guest back on episode 190, um, which was in September 2018. And Sarah is a cookbook author, TV personality, and a protege of Julia Child. And I, I have a relationship with Sarah, too, through the New York Women's Culinary Alliance, which Sarah co-founded and um, I was the president of for two years and Sarah also went to University of Michigan and, and which I, that's my, I'm go blue, my, my school. Um, and she went to the CIA. So anyways, I have a lot of connection to Sarah and I loved interviewing her and I was just looking back at our show and I had tied my PR tip into, um, one of the lessons taught by Julia Child. And the, the tip I did was never to be afraid to fail. Um, Julia said, Julia said that in no uncertain terms, cooking is one failure after another, and that's how you learn. Um, so we talked about that on the show and Sarah, who, you know, worked with her, um, shared, shared lots of tidbits or, or things she learned from Julia and stories about even how it came together and how they met in Cambridge. And so um, that's my Julia Julia moment that I want to share, just that through Sarah Moulton, I feel, I feel a little more connected to Julia Child um, having, I don't know, that, that relationship, I guess, knowing her because I, I never got to meet Julia Child, even though I wish I did. That's lovely. I think that's really great. And I think Julia would really like that, that your connection to her is through Sarah, who, you know, started her career, the early years of her career, very much with Julia and and has taken so many of those lessons to build and forge her own career. And what you didn't mention, too, is Sarah's almost one of the best people who can imitate Julia accurately and does so with great um, humor. But obviously, Sarah's primary talent is as a chef and, and like Julia, as a cooking teacher. So um, I think that's a, that's a great a way to connect up your, your Julia moment to uh, the present. Well, thank you for that, Sherry. And, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. And I appreciate you, you know, your interest in, in hearing my story and uh, about, you know, my background and about the book. And um, yeah, it's been a real, as I said, dream project for me to work on. So I'm excited for people to, to pick it up. And there's, there's lots of, lots of amazing advice in it. So I hope, I hope everyone enjoys it. And also big appreciation for all the chefs who contributed to the book and to my publisher, Biden. Um, so thank you. Well, congratulations, and thanks for joining us. And thanks, everyone, for listening. You can check out All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network, hosted by Sherry Bayer. The new book is ChefWise, Life Lessons from Leading Chefs Around the World. As Sherry said, it's out now from Faden. Ask or search for it at your favorite bookseller. You can follow at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, and at All in the Industry on Instagram and Twitter. 
Video clips from The French Chef continue to arrive weekly on at Julia Child on Facebook, and please follow at Julia Child Foundation on Instagram. I'm at T. Shulkin on Instagram. You can find Julia Child channels streaming The French Chef on Pluto TV, Plex, and Freebie, as well as on the PBS Living and PBS Documentary channels on Amazon. The Julia Child audio clip from The French Chef is used with permission from our friends at GBH, thanks to my co-producer at the foundation, Lauren Salkeld, and our sound engineer at Heritage Radio Network, Armin Spengen. Our theme song is New French Horn by Novi Valtorny. We're on the air on Heritage Radio Network on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, with downloads available soon after wherever you find your podcasts. We look forward to bringing you back into the Foundation's world next time on Inside Julia's Kitchen. Inside Julia's Kitchen is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.